seated. Well, good morning. Hope everybody's doing all right today. Wasn't that good? Yeah. I love that last song. Not that the other ones were bad. The last one, man, that, that's a great one. Um, Big Daddy Weave did that a couple of years ago, and it's been my, one of my favorites of theirs. So is it hot enough for everybody? Who said not quite? <clears throat> not quite hot enough. So how much hotter does it need to be? Just stay this way, and we're, and we're good. Just a, little, just a little warmer, and we're good. Yeah. It's hot, brother. And there's another place you can go. I don't recommend it. <laughs> it would be hotter than this, but you know, I hope you're not going there. But, you know, we're starting to get a little concerned. My dad said there's always a devil in the church. <laughs> if you're watching online, we're just having a little fun. So, anyway, yeah. So, yeah, we... We're good. I have um, this deodorant. I know you don't want to know this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. It's called Axis. Axis. A-X-I-X. Now, I think that's how you spell it. I think that's how you, that's how you spell it. I think that's how you pronounce it, Axis. Um, the reason I'm saying that is because a long time ago, probably 10, 12 years ago, I started using this app, this GPS app called Wazi. And it wasn't until my wife started using it that she corrected my pronunciation and said it's ways. <laughs> but I still call it Wazi because I think it's a better pronunciation of it. And uh, yeah, anyway. But nonetheless, I have this axis like, and it's supposed to be like, um, no sweat will show. Like you use it, no sweat will show, which I think is important when you're speaking. Yeah, thank you, thank you, because it, that grosses me out when somebody, you know what I'm saying? So I'm trying, to, I'm trying to do that. Well, I've been wearing it, and I don't know where they tested this product, but it wasn't in the state of North Carolina. <laughs> it wasn't, because it does not, it, you still perspire, there's still wet stuff, and yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, when you go outside in the state of North Carolina, um, you're instantly wet, and it's the sweat of the land, the sweat of the people, the sweat of everybody is just sticking to you. It's na- oh, it's nasty. This is nasty. I think that they actually tested the product maybe out west where there's no humidity, where it's just dry, no humidity, and they thought, oh, no perspiration. That's what we'll put on the bottle. It wasn't tested here, okay? It was tested here. They went to put it on the bottle. All right, enough of that. All right, we are in Leviticus, and this is summer school part two. Um, the title of the sermon today is Holiness 201. Last week was 101, 201. If, you, if you've gone to college and taken college courses, you know there's 101 level courses, 202 level courses, 200 level courses, 300 level courses, 400, 500, 600, all that kind of stuff. So this is 202, so one level up from last week. And it surrounds this uh, verse in Leviticus 19.2 that says, speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. Now, this is repeated several times in chapter 17, 18, 20, 21, and 22, the be holy part of it. But anyway, that's, that's the scripture. This is all around. Um, so to, 
To go to the next step, I ran across this cartoon this week on, uh, on Facebook. Hang on, Pestilence is posting an anti-vax meme. So, yeah, some of you got it, some of you didn't. That's fine, but that's not the point of me showing you this particular cartoon. Um, I'm a part of the far side uh, page on Facebook because I just like the humor. It's just my type of humor. I get it. I look at it. I love it. I know some people don't. Some people do. You know, it's a give or take, but I'm one of those kind of far side, sadish type of people. The reason that I'm showing you this one this morning is because Facebook put a fact check on this cartoon. <laughs> I want you to roll that around in your mind a minute. They fact checked a cartoon, a far side cartoon. So you would, you would press, and I did this, you press the little link that they give you and it takes you to a place that explains about vaccines and viruses and, and all this kind of stuff and, and kind of debunks this, this comic. So my first stop was, who is getting their news from Farside? Do you understand? I mean, who is getting their news from Farside? I would tell you this, and don't, don't throw things at me. Um, if you're getting it from Farside, at least it's a little more accurate <laughs> than some other news sources. But nonetheless, who would do that? And, and, and second, why would you fact check? So, so Facebook has this fact check thing, and they're doing it on even cartoons. So my question is, who is fact checking the fact checkers? Are what facts are they using as a determination to determine if this is true or false? Because they have to be using some type of standard. You see, in this world, there are different types of truth. There, there's truth that this group has, and they fact check according to that truth. There is truth that this group has, and they fact check according to their standard of truth, and, and so on and so forth. And I would submit to you this morning that everybody that has ever been born is religious. The reason I'm telling you that is because they have a set of rules that they live their life by, and that is religion. I don't, you can call it secularism, but it's still religion. You can say that the government has a certain set of stipulations and rules, well, that is also religious. Polit political Groups and movements are religious. We are all religious in some way because there's some type of set of facts that we're always referring to as fact-checking. Are you tracking? So, so here, the Facebook people have a set of facts that they determine whether or not a post is true or, true or false. And they don't, just don't get mad at me. They have become God. God of Facebook, because they will determine what is right and wrong, and that is God's job. So when it comes to me and you, it should not matter what anything anybody in this world says is right and wrong. It, it should not matter. To be honest with you, if I say it, it shouldn't really matter to you. If you say it to me, it shouldn't matter to me. But this is the one person that we know that it should matter what he says is right and wrong. So in Leviticus chapter 18, verse 1, it says these words. 
And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what your news media says, what your politician says, what your mama says, what your daddy says. If they disagree with the Lord your God, they are wrong. They're wrong. They have created environments that they want to live in. This group has an environment they want to live in. This group has an environment they want to live in. This group has an environment they want to live in and so forth and so on. God is saying this, I am the Lord your God. Be holy as I am holy because I want your environment to be holy. I want your environment to be holy. You see, in heaven, the reason heaven is holy is because God is there sitting on a throne. The reason there's no pain, no sorrow, nothing is because of God's holiness. And he has set heaven apart from the world and he has made that holy. So when he tells you and me that he wants us to be holy, what he's telling you is, I want you to have a piece of my holiness here on earth. And if you're wondering how to do that, I'm going to give you a list of ways that you can live in order to create a holy environment in your home and in your community and where you live and hopefully in your nation. That is what he is trying to do. So he says, uh, I am the Lord your God. And so in verse three, he continues. He says, you shall not do as they do in the land of Egypt where you lived and you shall not do as they do in the land of Canaan to which I am bringing you. You shall not walk in their statues. You shall not follow. You shall follow my rules and keep my statues and walk in them. I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore keep my statues and my rules. If a person does them, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. So what he's saying is, hey, I saved you out of the land of Egypt and there was a culture in the land of Egypt. You should have never been living by their rules. You should have been living by mine. I have brought you up out of the land of Egypt and now you're in the wilderness and I'm giving you a set of rules to live by so that you can be holy. That is the set of rules that you need to live. Now, when you go into Canaan and you start getting around other nations again, do not accept their practices. Do not accept their statues if they're against mine. You live holy here. You live holy in the future where you're going and you do not live like you did in the past. You be holy because you are my people and you're supposed to be different. And I want you to have a little piece of holiness here on earth and this is how you do it. I don't know why people in general, well, I do. I could tell you, yeah, anyway. I don't know why we, let's, I could put it that way. I don't know why we are so like curious about this environment over here and this environment over here and not doing what the word of the Lord says. But he has our best interest in mind. So why don't we just follow what God wants us to follow and create that environment? You see, you, you create environments all the time. You just might not realize it. For instance, Christmas um, creates an environment, doesn't it? In your home. Some of you in here decorate in October. I don't know why, but you decorate in October. Some of you decorate in, in, think at, um, in November. Some of you decorate in November. Some of you wait to December. Some of you wait to after Thanksgiving. Some of you want the tree up before Thanksgiving for various reasons. There's no right or wrong to this. You're just creating an environment. My father will put up his tree on December 23rd and take it down on December 26th. 
That's it. Christmas starts the 23rd, ends the 26th, and we are done. The tree is up. And when he puts a tree up, it's basically out of the box. And if he can plug in the lights without wrapping it, he's happy. And then he hangs these decorations on and he's done. And it's, it's an incredible, I mean, it's, it's just funny type, type deal. Um, he does, however, put out his nativity scene early now. He, he puts that out in November because he feels like it's a witnessing tool, which I agree with him. So he puts that out, but not the tree. The tree is not going up to the 23rd, down on the 26th. That's, exact, that's how it is. So I love my dad, um, but I do think that's interesting. All is calm, all is right. As soon as you saw that, what song came to your mind? Silent Night. It's one of the most recognizable Christmas songs of all time. And all is calm, all is bright. When you saw that, you should have got some type of feeling, some type of peaceful feeling. You like that song, kind of a little colder. I feel a little colder. I don't know why, but I just feel like it's it's a little colder. and, And it's just a nice kind of peaceful type of environment. But all is calm, all is bright hits a chord within our soul, doesn't it? You and I would love to wake up tomorrow morning and turn on the news and they say, listen, nothing has happened overnight. Nothing happened on Sunday. The weather was great. It was incredible. There were no hurricanes Nobody's doing this. Nobody's doing that. It is just a great day. We have no negative news to tell you this morning, but what we do have is a picture of a dog. And this dog right here, this puppy right here, blah, 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 this story, or or this cat over here, or this person over here went to this house and painted for this elderly person in their neighborhood, or or something like that, or Jesus said, anyway, something has happened and it's just all peaceful. It it would be absolutely amazing to wake up one, one morning and the news just be absolutely saying that all is calm and all is bright. Wouldn't that be that environment? And to be honest, it would, everybody's day would be happy. Watching the news, all is calm, all is bright. Those are the environments that we wish that we had. And God is saying, I want you to be holy as I am holy, because in heaven there is peace and there's calm. And I want you to have a little piece of that peace and calm in your life. And you can have it, even when things go wrong. You can have it even when there's trials. You can have it even when you're sick and you're wondering what's going to happen. I want you to live holy so that when tough times come, all is calm in your soul and all is bright. You're trusting in God. And when things are good, all is calm and all is bright. That's what he wants. So he's saying, live holy. Don't live like the, the place where you lived before. Don't live like the the place where you're going. Live constantly according to the holiness of God. Let me tell you something. The rules that are right here, the book that we get all our information from is just as relevant today as it was when it was written. Absolutely. And so the way it tells us to live, it is exactly the way that we should live now. And it's consistent through time and generation. It does not need to change. 
Egypt is going to change their rules. Wherever you go in Canaan is going to change their rules. If you look at man's rules to run your life, it's going to change. But God's word never changes. And the way you're supposed to live holy never, ever changes. And there's stability in that fact. I'm so glad that I do not have to depend on anything else but the Lord my God to tell me what's right and wrong. And if somebody else tells me what's right and wrong and and it goes against scripture, it's over. Okay? My environment is to be holy. So let's continue. The next part of chapter 18 is, let's just say an interesting read for you tonight when you get home. Okay? And you'll read that passage. And then there's another passage in chapter 20 that I uh, submit to you will be an interesting read for you when you get home. But to cover those verses, I just want to throw up a list up here real quick of what that covers. All right? A close relative, a father, a mother a father's wife, a sister, a father's daughter, a mother's daughter, a son's daughter, a daughter's daughter, a father's wife's daughter, a father's sister, a mother's sister, a father's brother, a father's brother's wife, a daughter-in-law, a brother's wife, a rival's sister, which is twisted, a woman during the time, which is also twisted, neighbor's wife, it's all twisted, men with men, women with women, and animals. All in that passage. So to sum this up, God wants you to live holy. And to live holy, intimacy is supposed to be between a man and a woman that isn't related and within the confounds of marriage. It's that simple. It's not supposed to be with anybody else Nobody else, just one man, one woman within the confounds of marriage. Intimacy. Intimacy. You see, intimacy in marriage is a holy act of God. It's holy. Outside of that, it isn't holy. And there's all types of different venues and ways that the world degrades that concept, all right? So, what is interesting is two things about this passage. Number one, that this was a problem with the children of Israel. That's why it's written. It's a problem with the children of Israel. That whole list So from Egypt, God is saying, you got to quit doing some of this stuff and keep it within marriage. That's what he's saying. The second thing that's interesting is it doesn't seem that the world ever changes. Because even in our culture, that list is a problem today, right now. And you don't have to go far to figure that out. You don't have to go far to figure that out. And so that list means that to be holy, you don't read it, you don't look at it, you don't do it, and you keep it within the confounds of marriage. And that is it. In a discussion. And you're holy. We tend to want to gratify our flesh and not keep our souls pure. So when you participate in anything outside of marriage... What you are acting like, God is saying here, is you're acting like 
an animal. And before too long, you'll start doing things with people that doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. And it progresses on and on and gets worse and worse and worse. So I'm calling you to holiness and this is where it happens. And this is the only place it happens. And it is holy right here and it's not holy anywhere else. Am I, am I clear on that? Absolutely clear. The Bible is absolutely clear. So there you go. Wow. Can, I, I have, uh, not here, but a long time ago, and I'm, I've been here 13 years now, so it's getting to where I can't even use these type of illustrations anymore, um, which is fine with me. But um, I've talked to some people in the past in my ministry, and the lady um, said, Philip, he, he wants it all the time. And my response was, well, who else should he want? And the answer to that question is nobody. The answer to that question in marriage, that's where it happens. And outside of marriage, no. And now, with that said, we're going to move on. Okay? Now, Steve Hungerford posted this um, this picture this week as a reference to my end of my message last week where I told you you could eat roadkill. It made me feel sick, but you can eat roadkill. So he's out west. I think it's Sedona. Is that right? Did I say that right? S-E-D-O-N-E. Is that how you say that? Where the Grand Canyon is? It's, are you, tell me. Thank you, Sedona. Thank you. So, you know, Wazi, I just want to make sure. We are live. Okay, so Roadkill Cafe. And so you see, you see this picture, and as funny as that was, it made my stomach go. You know what I mean? Because I don't, ugh, is it really Roadkill or is it not Roadkill? And I don't know if you remember this, but about 15 years ago in the city of Winston-Salem, there was a Chinese restaurant in the Haynes Mall Boulevard area. <laughs> you know, you remember this? That, that the people were eating their Chinese food and two Chinese people brought in a deer and took it into the back, like through the, into the back. And what they found in that article when they were called about it and when they investigated was they were cutting the meat on the floor. So they shut the place down, right? So I look at this and think, do they just bring it right? I mean, what is going on? It's got it. Should this place be shut down? And you know, it's probably just real, real food. Has anybody ever ate here? You wouldn't want to admit it right now anyway, right? Ain't here. So it kind of gets, gets that kind of vomiting sort of stuff, you know, flowing through, through your soul. So with that in mind, I want you to look at uh, Leviticus chapter 18, verse 24. And this is what it says. Do not make yourself unclean by any of these things. For by all these, the nations I am driving out before you have become unclean. And the land became unclean so that I punished its iniquity. And the land vomited out its inhabitants. Notice it vomited out its inhabitants. But you shall keep my statutes and my rules and do none of these abominations, either the uh, native or the stranger who sojourns among you. 
For the people of the land who were before you did all of these abominations so that the land became unclean. Lest the land vomit you out when you make it unclean, as it vomited out the nation that was before you. For everyone who does any of these abominations, the persons who do them shall be cut off from among their people. So keep my charge never to practice any of these abominations, customs that were practiced before you, and never make yourselves unclean by them. I am the Lord your God. Now flip over to chapter 20, verses 22 through 26. It says this. Find it. You shall therefore keep all my statues and all my rules and do them. And the land where I'm bringing you to live may not vomit you out. And you shall not walk by the customs of the nation that I'm driving out before you. For they did all these things and therefore I detest them. But I've said to you, you shall inherit their land and I will give it to you to possess a land flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God who has separated you from the peoples. You shall therefore separate the clean beast from the unclean and the unclean bird from the clean. And you shall not make yourselves detestable by beast or by, by bird or by anything which the ground crawls, which I have set apart for you to hold unclean. You shall be holy to me, For I, the Lord, am holy, and I've separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. The concept here that keeps repeating itself is this this concept of vomiting out, that the land somehow vomits people out if they do not live in the holiness of God. So started thinking about that. Why is that? And is that true throughout Scripture? Well, first, it is true throughout Scripture. From the very beginning. Adam and Eve ate of the fruit and they were vomited out of the Garden of Eden. They could not go back. In fact, to make sure there is an ar- there's an archangel standing there to make sure they didn't get back in. So they were vomited out of that. So is there any other place that people were vomited out? And the answer to the question is yes, Cain and Abel. Cain killed Abel and Cain had to move away somewhere else because that act vomited him out of the land. Then you have Noah. Noah lives in a world where the whole world is going to vomit everybody out except for one family, and that's Noah's family on an ark. And once that world is cleaned, the waters recede, and God starts all over in holiness. So there's a sense in which land vomits you out. Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis, same way. It got so bad that the land vomited them out. God judged, the land vomited them out. In uh, later in scripture, it's northern Israel and southern Israel. Northern Israel gets so bad that the land vomits them out and they're gone. Then later, southern Israel gets so bad that the land vomits them out and they're gone. You go into the New Testament, Herod himself gets vomited out from his position because he did not follow the commandments of God. He was following the world and so on and so forth. You have this vomiting out of this environment that people create as believers when they do not follow The statues of God, the land vomits them out. And these are like big ideas, right? These are like big things. But what I want to submit to you this morning is it's not only the big plots of land that vomits people out, it's also the small plots of land. It is your house, your home, where you live, and where you work. It is everywhere that you go, that land potentially could vomit you out if you do not live holy. It would not be a holy environment. And once it gets to a certain stage, 
it will vomit you out. Let me, let me give you a couple of examples, all right? In your home right now, if you had to choose between these two, would you rather have a spouse that yells or a spouse that can't cook? I know for some of you, this is a, yeah, I'm not really sure, right? I, you know, I really want to eat, so what do I want, right? I mean, which one do you want? Well, of course, it, the cooking, because we're post-COVID and it's, hello, Uber Eats, can you bring me something, right? We can take care of that. But the yelling environment creates a different environment, doesn't it? And it's, it's not a good environment. It's, it's, a, it's a unholy environment. But someone that can't cook isn't necessarily unholy. They just can't cook. Right? Here's another one. Getting drunk or watching Barney. Now, I know this one could lead to this one. I mean, it could be a circular thing right here. I realize that. And maybe somebody drunk thought of a purple dinosaur... Because that's never basis to me, why he's purple. But you see the difference. Like you have this, like do you want to live in an environment where the parents are always intoxicated or an environment, and I know, but Barney, Barney, it's just two different Barneys. Barney's irritates you, and you might not want to be in the room with Barney. I know this is dating me, but Barney has always been funny to me. Do you want to do that or this? And I think most of us would choose Barney because Barney would be a wholesome type of environment right? And between the two. Here's another one. Adultery or they didn't pick up their socks. When I say the word adultery, immediately your heart goes down. When I say don't pick up your socks, you're saying, I can live with that. I can live with somebody that doesn't pick up your socks. Of course you can. You chose them. They were a slob before you married them and they're a slob now. So they're not going to pick up their socks. Get over it. Okay, but the picking up the socks you know about, and, and even if they stink bad, like shoes stink and socks stink and you have to pick them up, it's still nowhere close to the unholiness that adultery brings into a relationship and the potential, more so than not, for adultery to vomit a family out of their home and break them apart and do something different. So we create these environments and God is saying, quit living in such a way that the land is gonna vomit you out. Live in such a way that you have holiness in your life. Get a piece of heaven into your home so that the land won't vomit you out, so that you stay together in thick and thin, so that there's nothing there that will separate you, but keep you together in the holiness of God. That's what he's saying here. We allow so much into our lives and stink up our land and bring it sometimes to the brink of vomit. And we have just got to heed the, our dedication to God and his holiness and bring it back in and make sure that our homes and our jobs and where we live are holy places. This is why I'm telling you that you don't read, watch, go outside of the stuff we listed in marriage. It messes things up. Now, this passage of scripture is kind of interesting because 
there's something that God throws into it that at first I was like, why in the world is this here? And then I was like, oh, that's why. So let's, let's read about that, all right? Let me make sure I get the right verses. All right, 18, right piece of paper, 18 verse 21. Go back there, check this out. It says this, you shall not give any of your children to offer them to Molech. And so profane the name of the Lord your God, I am the Lord. All of a sudden, I'm like, what, what? It, this, why is this verse here? Did, does it flow? Like all of a sudden we're talking about offering to an idol. I'm not really sure what that means. But then he does it again. At the beginning of chapter 20, he says this, the Lord spoke to Moses saying to the people of Israel, any one of the people of Israel or of the strangers who sojourn in Israel, who gives any of his children to Melech, shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. In other words, get rid of him. That's unholy. I myself will set my face against that man and will cut him off from among his people because he has given one of his children to Melech to make my sanctuary unclean and to profane my holy name. And if the people of the land do at all close their eyes to that man when he gives one of his children to Melech and do not put him to death and I will set my face against that man and against his clan and will cut them off from among their people, him and all who follow him and whoring after Molech. So why in the world is Molech in there? This is what God is telling us. He's saying this. If you don't keep my commands... You start living like they did in Egypt and you start living like they did in Canaan. This is where it's going. It's going to start here in your own holiness, but eventually you're going to be doing things that you thought you would never do, that you thought were never capable of you doing. What do I mean by that? Well, I don't know if you know anything about worshiping Molech. I hope you don't, all right? But Molech was a statue. The hands stood out like this. And from here to the hands were bronze. The statue was that they worshiped. Up underneath these hands was tied a rope or a chain rather. And right here was a set of coals that they started fire with. So it was under this one and it was under this one. And the hands of Molech was just like this. And so the fire would burn right here and it would get hot. And of course the hands, which were bronze, would also get hot. So you would take your child and you would put your child in the hands of Malek. Now instantly, there's an environment that was created in this room. You have to be horrified at that at some level, right? I mean, there, there has to be, like, the tension within your soul is an environment change. You, you start thinking, oh, my goodness, I can't believe somebody would do that. I, I can't believe that that would happen. But why would that happen? That, that is, I, how does that happen? Well, this is how it happens. Somebody decided not to follow the commands of God. They started doing all these other things, and it slipped into things that they... they are just unreasonable to do, blinded. Well, I would never be that way. 
that is probably one of the most prideful statements you could ever say. In fact, that statement that you just made in your mind, I would never do that, may be the result of blindness. What we should say is by God's grace and his mercy, I would never go there because I'm dedicated to being in the holiness of God and living by his, his principles. So can you imagine an environment of a home where a mom and dad worships Molech and they're just sitting around just thinking, okay, we have five children. Which one? Well, we'll choose this one. And then you have that environment and you're okay with it. You go to the temple and you offer that child to Molech. In this passage of scripture, God is saying, I don't want that to be a part of my people's lives. God is saying children are a treasure from the Lord. They're important. They shouldn't be sacrificed. You say, be holy as I am holy, so you don't do something stupid like that. And all this other stuff, intimacy with anybody else, is just part of the same degrading, dirty, unclean system that the world wants you to be a part of. What God says is that is not in heaven. It is not holy. It's not where life is found. Life is found in the center of my holiness. You see, this stuff that we just listed treats people like they are just an object. It's just an object. It's an object for self-gratification. I want to be self-gratified, so this is what I'm doing. And it progresses in a downward fashion. This says people are valuable. Be holy as I am holy and treat them with value. I had a friend of mine, his, um, I, I, this has happened several times. I could list several people that this has happened to, but uh, their baby was born. It was a preemie. And um, when they first put it into the uh, NICU, um, the baby's vitals kept going down. And they were really concerned about, about the baby, as anybody would be, right? Anybody would be. So <clears throat> the mom and dad decided to petition the doctor to see if they could go in and hold the baby. Like, mom was willing to hold the baby all night long. And I would dare say there isn't a mother in this room that wouldn't want to do that too. That mother held that baby and over two days, its vitals increased because human touch in a caring way is important. It's important. And when we start treating people like objects, the touch is just unholy, all of it. But when we treat people with love the way we're supposed to, it makes a big difference. And you and I are called to be different. And I don't care if the world says that it's okay. And you're just a man or you're just a woman and you have needs. Uh, God's about to throw up in heaven when he hears that. God is saying, stay here and be holy as I am holy. This makes sense. Amen? This makes sense. So, don't live like the world. Um, <clears throat> Molech, sacrificing children. T 
to today, I would submit to you this morning that America sacrifices children to a different type of God. And every time your children lose a portion of their innocence is a moment that you've allowed your child to be sacrificed to something that they shouldn't have viewed, they shouldn't have seen, they shouldn't have been a part of. So you and I often do not take seriously, maybe, possibly, people. I don't know. It just sounds, you know. I've seen people not take seriously the innocence of their children. And ladies and gentlemen, there's only a certain amount of time that children are innocent. They are going to have to get into the world eventually. It's your responsibility and my responsibility to make sure that innocence is preserved and then give them tools so that they can live in the holiness of God. I am not trying to elevate my family or what we do. I'm just trying to give you an example of something that we do in our home, okay? So we're watching stuff because we watch movies. I mean, we, we watch stuff. If I see that there is a hint of something that's about to go down between a man and a woman, I fast forward through that immediately. Fast forward through that. Quinn knows this. Quinn, and I don't know how he does outside of our house. I don't know. I'm hoping he does right, but you never know, you know. But he honestly covers up while that's happening. And if I think, if I think it's, I hand it, if it goes too long, it's Nicole. And if you've ever seen Nicole with technology, the next 30 minutes is going to be trying to get through I mean, she just can't, you know, she, this is not her thing. Now, she can build anything she, out of wood. She can do it. But, man, the technology portion isn't good. But we, we fast forward through that. We've done that our, our whole parenting existence. So there's stuff in my house that my, parent, my kids have not seen. They might have seen it later and might have seen it somewhere else. And, but they know that this is how you live holy in an unholy world. You fast forward through some things. I'm not going to sacrifice my children to the system of this world. That makes that okay. That makes whatever's going on TV okay. And if something comes up that I think that they are teaching that is against scripture, you can take it to the bank. We are talking about it when that program's over. This is what that program was teaching you and this is why it was wrong. And we talk and we talk and we talk. Because we are not supposed to sacrifice our children to this world's system. When my kids were supposed to take, you know, that class in fifth grade. You know, that class that you have to take in fifth grade. Nicole went and watched Aurora's. Aurora was exempt. I went and watched uh, Quinn's. Quinn was exempt from that class, and we did it at home. Because, ladies and gentlemen, I am going to teach my children about the holiness of God in that particular arena, and the public school system is not going to do it. You do not sacrifice your children to this world in any, any way. That's Leviticus. Can you imagine that Leviticus, the most boring book in the Bible, is so relevant 
for what's going on in our country today. Absolutely amazing. And that just proves yet again that God knows what he is doing, knows what he's doing. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this age you've given us. I thank you for Leviticus. Um, I thank you for the truths that are there. I thank you for the call to holiness. And I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you'll help us achieve that in our homes, where we work, wherever we go. There's just some things we will not participate in and there's just some things we will. And the things that we will participate in line up with your word and your instructions to us on how to be holy. So we thank you for your word. I pray for each individual in this room. Maybe, I don't know, there's some people in the room that's looking at stuff they shouldn't look at. Pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit that they will change in that arena. Maybe there's some people in the room, I don't know, that are sacrificing their kids just in a different way and allowing the world to seep in to their kids' thinking. And I just pray, Father, that you'll give that parent the wisdom to dial that back and figure out how to talk to that child in such a way that they can steer them back in the way that they should go in the way of holiness. So we are thankful that you are with us in this journey because without you, we couldn't be holy. So we praise your name for that. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen. I'm here to pray for you if you need it. The altar is open as well. Let's stand and sing this closing number. Heaven or